If you would, find the, uh, find the chapter and verse, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Let me read this to you. It says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are blessed, for they will be filled, is the promise. Let's pray together. Father, help me to be a plain preacher, uh, so plain that a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit. Any word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation, if you prompt me with it, I want to be obedient to speak to it. Lord, you look at all of us today, but you see me differently. I'm your teacher, your preacher, and on me, by you, is a strict judgment, a more strict judgment than anyone in this room can place on me. And I know that, and I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. So in the name of Jesus, I pray his name that I preach. Amen. You can be seated. So good to see you today. Thanks for being here. I love preaching uh, prep to following Lent, and we follow a Christian version of Lent. I, uh, I didn't follow that as a growing up in a traditional Southern Baptist church, never really even heard of it. And uh, if you grow up in traditional Southern Baptist fashion, it's a life full of potlucks and you never mention fasting, right? That's, uh, that's for the Pentecostals, right, <laughs> isn't it? So uh, not for the Southern Baptists. But uh, I want to talk to you about uh, Lent a little bit as we prep. It, our, our season begins this Wednesday on Valentine's Day. And guys, I'm saying that to remind you as well. It's not only the beginning of our Lent season, but man, be ready for Wednesday, okay, when it comes to your loved one. Uh, I, uh, as I approach this, I picked this verse 5-6, and we're going to do a comparison here in a minute. But I want you to see that we hunger and thirst for righteousness. And let me make an emphasis here. It's his righteousness. Uh, I'll make a comparison to that in a minute. And those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are blessed for they will be filled. And righteousness is just, I'm, I'm in the right standing with God. I've made peace with God. I let him search me to find anything that is, that is not pleasing to him in my life. It becomes a constant part of the spiritual discipline. Lord, what, is there anything in me that is not pleasing to you? Uh, and a lot of you could say, I'll be afraid of that time. Don't be afraid of that time. Don't be afraid of those moments because he is shaping you. And as he shapes you, he's going to be using you. So we hunger and thirst for his righteousness, and it says we're blessed. Who, who in here will turn down a blessed life, right? There's no one. Uh, it says they will be filled. It becomes with the promise that I'll explain to you in just a moment. Lent is just a, a word that means 40. Uh, as we venture into the Lent season, we are going to, uh, we're going to parallel and, and look at the 40 days that Jesus was in the wilderness in his sacrifice. Um, this begins Wednesday, February 14th. It's going to go through the Saturday before Easter. Uh, and then it's 40 weekdays. You're looking at Monday through Saturday, Okay. Uh, so you'll start Thursday of this week, and you're going to be looking at Monday through Saturday. Sunday is a day of celebration. You come off of your fast. It becomes a day to celebrate. We're going to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. Uh, this time together, Monday through Saturday, is a time of focus on his sacrifice. We're going to be looking for a personal search that I just referred to. Lord, find anything in me that's not pleasing to you. Reveal it to me. Uh, 
It's a time of personal renewal with us. Uh, it's going to be like you're going to be on a 40-day conference with the Lord, right? And then it's a time of personal revival within you. Uh, Asbury, as it had the revival on campus recently, in fact, if you study Asbury, there's probably nine revivals that have broken out of Asbury over the years, and we know of one that is recent in our day and time. Uh, it, you have your own personal Asbury. So we, we look at this in such a way, and I, I try to be plain like I pray to be plain. When you're doing Lent together, and you, you're practicing generosity, you're praying, and then you also are fasting, you, you are focusing on the world moving out. Because some of us, we, we live in such a routine, we don't know if we turn the coffee pot on or not. I don't know about you, but now that we're in our 60s, I'm like, Julie, did I take my pills, you know? Uh, and it could be, she uses the Sunday, you know, the SNS, you know, Saturday through Sunday thing. I am refusing to use that thing. I've probably doubled up on my medicine more than I've needed to, but I'm refusing to use that calibration uh, as a daily right now, but Julie does. And, and so... We, we forget, we just get in a routine. We don't know, we've done stuff without even thinking. And when you do Lent and you practice the spiritual disciplines that we're gonna to give to you today, the, you're moving the world out and you're letting the spirit and his kingdom in. It's what happens. It's a picture of springtime. It's a picture of newness bursting forth. It's a picture of resurrection to you, that a new you is being developed. It's a picture of growth. When we, when we parallel with Jesus being in the desert on, in fasting those days, we, we see that the Spirit led him there. Don't think the enemy led him there, because the enemy didn't lead him and doesn't lead him. It is the Spirit that led him there and led him through and I, I, wanna, I want to emphasize the Holy Spirit will do the same thing for you. He will lead you in this time of discipline, and he will not only lead you into it, he will lead you through it. So what do we, what do, we do during Lent? Remember, it's the weekdays. Uh, your fasting will be daily uh, during the weekdays. Then uh, and even on Saturday on the weekend. And there's prayer and devotion. You want to do that daily. You want to increase that. And there's generosity. Uh, you can look at generosity as being weekly. And a picture here would be try to bless two people during the week. Just be a blessing to them in some way. In a very logical way for you, if you're out there and your, your, your wheels are spinning, you don't know what to do, this, this could be a very simple common sense way to maybe even do Lent for the very first time of your life. You may just want to fast one meal a day, Monday through Saturday. And from that meal, that, that hour or whatever time you have allotted, uh, replace it with a time of prayer and replace it with a time of devotion. And you're going, what kind of devotion? Well, just find you a devotional book to go by. We have one on our app. You can go by that. It's called Our Daily Bread. There's very sufficient reading there and even, uh, even segments of that, of that devotion that can go a little deeper if that's what you want to do. 
And then if you're fasting one meal, uh, you're, you're replacing that with prayer and devotion. And then you're saving the money from that one meal, say 10 or $12 or whatever it is that you're going to be saving. Well, you do that times six, and there's a little bit of money there. Well, then take that money that you didn't spend for lunch and then use it to be generous to somebody else. If you want a simple little way to be able to do that, then you do that. You may, uh, you may be fasting from social media. I gave Facebook last May. I am so glad that I did. I have not missed it one iota. And remember, I tell you, if you really want me to know something, you'll let me know, okay? Well, I'm not going to be searching Facebook for it. So if you come to me and talk to me like I already know, I probably don't. And if you really want me to know, you'll get in touch with us somehow. We are approachable when it comes to that. But you may want to fast from social media. It's so many hours of TV. Uh, you, uh, you, you may be fasting from sugar or caffeine. And I just want to give a warning. Remember, you can celebrate on Sundays. If you fast from caffeine Monday through Saturday, would you pre please drink some coffee when you come here Sunday morning? <laughs> Uh, you know, try to, try to get that, all, all the chairs will be shaking, you know, from all, all, of, the, all of the nervousness. But is your, in, your, in your generosity, bless other people. Try to find two people. Remember, you're praying and having devotion. You're, it's time with the Father. I'm, I'm scratching out time of my day to be with the Father. And then I'm fasting from something that's considered a luxury, and that is a time of sacrifice and discipline. So let, let's get into this for just a moment before we get into giving, praying, and fasting. I want to give you a, a picture of our Heavenly Father. Matthew 6, 1. It says that he rewards us. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of people to be seen by them. Otherwise, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And we, we see him restraining reward, but we will also see that he gives reward. Who in here is going to turn down a reward from our Heavenly Father? I don't think there's anybody in here that will. I just want to remind you that the Father sees and rewards. Look at Hebrews 11.6. This is a, a life verse for me. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists. And here it is. And he rewards those who seek him. Uh, he, he, he notices and he rewards. Can he stop rewards? Well, obviously we'll see in the verses that he can, but he can also advance and give the rewards to us. Uh, to some people, the rewards go no further, but to those who seek him, he continues to reward. Back to Matthew 6, 1. He gives us an instruction to be careful. Be careful not to practice, and I want you to look at the two words here, your righteousness, your righteousness. Now, before I go any further into that, I want to give you a comparison of Matthew 6, 33. It's same chapter, same sermon that Jesus is preaching, but seek first the kingdom of God, and does it say your righteousness, or does it say his righteousness? It says his righteousness, and all these things will be, will be provided for you. Go back to Matthew 6, 1. There is, be careful not to practice your righteousness. Well, what that means to that is I, I grew up with small town values. 
I grew up with very traditional, conservative, small-town values. And, and those values are still a part of my life, but they're not, they're not the righteousness of God. Now, can they parallel or match? Well, sure they can. Of course they can. But if we're not careful, we will live in a culture, in a society today, that you will develop your own righteousness. And Jesus in this sermon says, be careful not to practice your righteousness. You will determine how a person gets to heaven. You, you will determine that. You will determine what is righteous living before God and what isn't. And if you're not careful, uh, our own righteous living will have anything goes, be anything that you want or you desire or change. Do you see what I'm saying? A lot of people are, are putting together their own picture of their own righteousness. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of people. Number one, it's misleading, but your righteousness will, be, will be, want to be recognized by other people. Uh, otherwise, he says, you, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Uh, I have a heavenly Father that rewards those who seek him. That's the picture in my mind. But he's also a heavenly Father that doesn't reward those that don't. And we need to get to that picture. Am I, even during Lent, Lord, am I, am, I, am I living my picture of righteousness? Or am I looking at your picture of righteousness what, what am I doing here? I was reading in Leon, one of Leon Morris's writings. He said, none of us can take a guilty or sinful soul and make it righteous. We can't do it. The only way we have righteousness in our life is through the work of Christ, the atoning, sacrificial work of Christ. That's it. He gives it to you or you don't have it. And the way he gives it to you is because of his work on the cross for all of us. And his work on the cross is what you and I surrender to. We surrender to that and he takes our debt and replaces it with his righteousness. You and I can't earn righteousness. You can't have 100% attendance at a church and get righteousness. You can't be a member of a church and be baptized 15 million times and be righteous. We cannot make ourselves righteous. The only person who declares us righteous is God himself. And it's done through the work of Christ. That's the only place where the atonement takes place. So I, I, want, I want to go back to where we began in Matthew 5, 6 with those that hunger and thirst for his righteousness, his righteousness, not ours, are blessed. For they will be filled becomes the promise here. And the word filled here, it's fun to study this word. I grew up on a farm, and uh, I remember when we had that little code spell, you know, just a few weeks ago, um, I was explaining to Julie how we'd have to go break the pond edge with ice, with uh, axes, you know, to, get the, to break the ice so the cattle could drink. And we would have to feed in the mornings and feed in the, in the evenings and just go through all that. And I think about people, don't get me wrong, I think about them first, but when it's cold like that, I, I sometimes think of critters, you know, and what they may be going through. Uh, but the picture here, and I said all that, the word field here is like a, a farmer that is feeding their cattle. Is they, they are fattened, they are filled. 
It's also this word field here is used when Jesus takes the loaves and the fish and he blesses them and he feeds more than the 5,000 because they didn't count the women and children. But he feeds all those thousands of people. They gather back up 12 baskets fulls from one basket full and it said they were filled. They were satisfied. Uh, The picture here is if you hunger and thirst for his righteousness, not ours, not our made up created righteousness because there's no such thing actually. You may think there is, but in his eyes there isn't. And in that, we are blessed by seeking his righteousness, and, and then we are satisfied. I, I, I remember an old hymn growing up as a little boy, nothing satisfies my soul but Jesus. Nothing satisfies me but him. Uh, the promise is that he will fill us and he will satisfy us. Let's get into what we'll be doing during Lent, Matthew 6, 2 through 4. We're talking about giving here. So whenever you give to the poor, don't, don't sound a trumpet before, before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be applauded by people. I assure you they've got the reward. Remember, he's, he's, he's stopping at the reward. But, uh, but when, you, when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now, you, you, it's, it's talking about normal life. Your, your brain and our eyes and our brain, we know what the left and the right hand are doing, which seems like it's a pretty normal process to let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. But he's saying you need to do it and you practice your giving, do it in such a way that it's not a normal practice, that it's not letting people know what you do, it's letting that be between you and the Father. Verse four, so that your giving may be in secret and your Father who sees in secret, here it is, he will reward you. Verses two, verse two and three say when you give, not if you give. I love to say that every year. We are expected as followers of Christ to be a giving people. It's when you give, not if you give. There's expectation here. Remember, it's between you and the Father. It's an intimate time there. Look at uh, Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Same sermon, same chapter, but he's handling possessions and things. Don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but collect for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there is where your heart is going to be. Uh, There's a right perspective on things. Let me say it in a plain way. It's okay to have things. Just don't let things have you. Don't let it be that way. Remember, Jesus knows the Father. And he knows him well, and he knows that he rewards. And when we give, we most resemble and look like our heavenly Father. So go bless other people. Find two people. If the Lord calls you to more, go. But I'll even settle as a pastor. Go find two people to bless every week during Lent. 
And remember, we have the new pulpit now, and people have been out of town, and they've heard, the, they've heard that we have a pulpit. We're 25 years old. I've never had, I've had some kind of table all the time, but I've never had this. And you see the hope arrow is on the front of it, and uh, you are the arrow. You are being sent, and be sent blessing other people, okay? Bless them. Now, let me give you a little hint in the blessing. You may want to talk to them before you bless them. And you're, you're going to think, well, this is silly and it's funny, but it's true. If they're fasting from sugar, don't bake them a cake. <laughs> All right? You know what I'm saying? So you may, you may want to have a chat with them of how I can bless you or what I can do. So you, you, you don't want to add to the temptation that they may be going through when they're fasting. The second thing we're going to be doing through the Lent season is it has to do with prayer. Matthew 6, 5 through 8. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. I assure you, they have their reward, which means he has, he has stopped the reward. But when you pray... But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the idolaters, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need even before you ask Him. Verses 5, 6, and 9 say, when you pray, not if you pray. Expectation is expected here. It's not a public spectacle. Not for attention. I'm not against public prayers. I have a prayer that I designed. I felt by the Lord every time before I preach and you hear it and some of you could probably recite it. Uh, I, I don't, I mean it every bit of it, but there's not a lot of positive things said about public prayer in scripture. I'm not saying it's wrong, but it never, public prayer never ever needs to replace private prayer. Uh, I, there are things that I have said to the Father in prayer that until later on, I don't mention to anybody else. There are things that I've asked for. There are things that I have mentioned. There have been cries for help and rescue that I have never mentioned to anybody else but my Heavenly Father. And then I've seen Him answer them. And I know that I've not told another soul. Only, only my Heavenly Father. Now when that happens, I, I, I tell it. But there are times that I, I, I mention things that I don't even mention to Julie that I only mention to my Heavenly Father. We go to Him. It's between you and the Father. It's intentional that way. Listen, He's telling people, don't stand up and pray so that people can see you and people can hear your flowery words. It's about, don't let them recognize, don't let them, we don't do it for other people and recognition is what I'm saying. But listen to me. If you spend time with the Father in secret praying, then the world will know that you walk with the Father. You, you, you don't have to worry about the world recognizing it. They will know that you walk with Him. Uh, that's evident through a lot of people's lives in Scripture and even the history of the church. I want to also tell you about um, 
not only private prayer, but he mentions standing. I want to talk to you about when you pray during this Lent season, maybe change your posture. I'm not going to ask you if you do. That's between you and the Father. But he talked about standing like, like those. I, I grew up in the old church, guys, and I can remember when people, it came time to pray in the church, that they came out in the aisles and knelt at the end of the pews. I remember. I'm that old, okay? I, I remember that. I can remember men in their suits kneeling. I'm talking about in this, like a service like this. Then when it came time to prayer, they would get on their knees and turn around and put their elbows in a pew. And I'm, I'm not telling you to do that. I'm leaving that up to you. But my point is, think about changing your posture when you pray. Yeah, the, the old floor is not good on my old knees. I can get down, but getting up becomes a whole nother issue. But in, in that, you may just want to bow when you worship and pray. You may just want to bow and not wordy or not, not being impressed in any way. And it said in here, Jesus said in his sermon, as he was teaching on prayer, that the Father already knows what you need before you ask it. And then you and I are going to ask a very logical question. Well, why do I need to ask it? Well, because it shows that you're in rhythm with the Father. It, when, you, when you know what you need to ask for from the Father, and he already knows that you're going to ask it, do you not see the beautiful rhythm of that relationship? Do you not see that? I mean, it should be in such a way, you've got friends and family members that when you say something, they finish it. That happened with Jesse, our drummer, this morning. He and I were talking, and I was getting ready to say something, and he just finished my sentence. You know, and it, it should be, in a, we should be in a rhythm with the Father that what we're asking for, he already knows because what he already knows may have been put in our spirit to ask for it. Do you understand how that works? It just shows this beautiful union between you, you and the Father. And remember, the Father who sees you in secret will reward you. Remember that. And Jesus knows the Father and he knows that he rewards. As you practice Lent, I'm gonna give you something from this sermon to do, especially in the praying part. I want you to look at Matthew 6, 12, which is a section of the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, which is listed in this chapter. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. I want you to look at verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive people their wrongdoing, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive people, your Father will not forgive your wrongdoing. Now, when I got to this part this morning, it got really quiet. But during Lent, during Lent, are there people you need to forgive? Now, I want you to listen to me. People who have sabotaged your life, sabotaged your life. You're in the corporate world, and they, they tried to get your position, or they tried to get you demoted, or they, they tried to sabotage you in business. They've tried, I'm a preacher. Do you think every, everything, I told you, God made preachers so you can get mad at us, right? I mean, in 30 years, there's been people out. Uh, do you know what I'm saying? I mean, it just, it just happens.
And so forgive, forgive people. During this Lent, you hear how quiet it's getting? You forgive people. And, and listen, when you forgive people, you're going, well, what about justice? Well, God is a, he's a just God. I have, there are some things I just have to turn over to his justice. And I, I've got to let that happen. He says, vengeance is his, not ours. It's land you and I don't need to be trespassing on. We leave that up to him. And, but also, as you're praying, ask the Lord to forgive you. What, what have I done? What have I done? Ask for a cleansing, a renewal. Lord, is there anything that's not pleasing to you in my life? Then reveal it to me. And incorporate this. This is in the sermon. This is in the same chapter of the sermon that he's preaching. So incorporate forgiveness while you're at it. Lastly, Matthew 6, 16 through 18, we deal with fasting. As we read the verses to you, whenever you fast, don't be sad-faced like the hypocrites. And they would uh, take ash and they would throw the charcoal and all on their face, make them look real chalky, you know. Uh, whenever you fast, don't be sad-faced like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive so that their fasting is obvious to people. I assure you, they have their reward. But when you fast, put oil, put oil on your head and wash your face and get those lashes off so that you don't show your fasting to people but to your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees in secret he will be able to reward you. Remember verse 16 and 17 says, when you fast, not if you fast. There's expectation here. Uh, and I promise you, if you really fast and work on the discipline, you're going to pray. <laughs> you understand? When you haven't had coffee for six days, you're going to pray. Uh, it's, you're going to get into a part where the discipline of what you're fasting from is such a routine in your life that you and your body are missing it. And it's going to take, it's going to take strength from the Lord to be able to go through those temptations. I promise you, if you fast, you're going to pray. Remember, it's between you and the Father. It's not for the recognition of people. And the Father who sees you in secret will reward you. And Jesus knows that the Father, he knows him well, and he knows that he rewards. When we were talking earlier and I use the verse that the eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro over all the earth uh, to find a heart that's loyal to him. That's 2 Chronicles 16, 9. Uh, I want you to know in the story of Job that uh, Satan came in, in, into the presence of God and he was asking for somebody that he, to get him to curse God. And they're talking about Job. And if you know the conversation went on in the presence of God, like, what have you been doing? And, and Satan said, I've been walking to and fro over the earth. And I just want you to know, Scripture repeats that all the way through. The enemy is walking around, not finding loyal hearts to the Lord, but he's trying to find anybody he can devour. He walks around like a roaring lion to see who he can consume. 
And folks, little by little, little by little, the enemy has so brought the world into our Christian lives that sometimes we don't know the difference. And when we go through Lent, it's a discipline of generosity because we're taught to keep and he teaches us to give. It is, a, it is a discipline of prayer when we want to give advice instead of take advice. It becomes a picture of fasting where we want to consume. Do you realize that our nation consumes 80% of the world's goods? Of all the goods made in the world, our nation consumes 80% of them. And we're brought up in a consumer culture. In, in fasting, it's not about consuming. It's about releasing. And it takes the strength of God to stay focused on that. That's what I'm asking you to do. I, I can't wait to hear stories that come back from you. Uh, and here, we talked about the enemy wanting to consume or devour us. I just want to present this to you. You've got a heavenly father that wants to empower you and bless you and reward you. But he does that because you seek him, all right? Go spend time with the Father. The invitation is for you to come. You may want to commit to this season of spiritual discipline, of generosity and praying and fasting. There's a lot of heaviness going around, a lot of things going on with people that we love, uh, it, it can be any from, from marriages to diseases to a lot of things. Folks, I'm just telling you, if you feel it, the Holy Spirit leading you, come lay your burdens down. There'll be people here, but if you don't have to see them, just come and just unload, you know? Really give them to the Lord. You're here and you've never surrendered your life to Christ. You've got a heavenly Father it just absolutely wants to bless you. And I'm not talking about prosperity gospel. He just loves you. Listen, I, I love my kids. I still bless my kids. I love to bless my kids. But I've got two granddaughters now, and uh, I, I realize that you raise your kids to be something. Grandchildren are to spoil, right, grandparents? And I love to spoil them. Julie and I love to spoil them. I love to bless them, you know? And I'm not their natural biological grandparent, but you know, the Lord gave us to them and them to us, and you know that. But he's just a heavenly father that rewards you when you step out of the routine of this world to come to him, he rewards you. I don't think there's a person here that'll turn that down. And I'm a pastor, and I want you to be blessed and rewarded by our Heavenly Father. It's worth it. So you just come to Him. You may need to surrender to Him today. The invitation is this. Whosoever will, for whatever reason today, you come. Church, would you stand? Counselors, would you come find your spot and place where you do that here? The team's going to lead us, and you come.